Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and before we jump into the talk today, I want to take just a quick minute to update you on some things that if you've been listening into this series that we've been in in the beginning of 2019, um, just update you on some things that I, I hope would matter to you and be significant to you because they are really important for us as a church and a community. The series that we've been in has really been wrestling with what is this thing called CMYK and more importantly, why is this thing CMYK a thing? Uh, out of all the the ways that we could spend our time and energy and resources, why would CMYK potentially be one of those things for you? Out of all the podcasts that you could be listening to, why this podcast? Out of all the gatherings on Sundays uh, that someone could choose to be a part of, all the different things they could choose to do with their Sunday, whether it's in the morning or the evening when we have our gatherings, why would someone choose to be a part of those gatherings? Or maybe uh, it comes down to resources and money. Out of all the things that you could be spending and giving your time and money to, why would you choose to give your resources to this thing, CMYK? And so that's what we've been doing the, at the beginning of this year. And at the beginning of the series, we mentioned that there's been a lot of kind of reshaping and rethinking about who we are as a community and and really how we're going to use our resources and time and energy. And for us, it really comes down to trying to solve uh, this problem or find a way to see a more beautiful way forward is the way that we talk about it, that we as CMYK, we exist to see a more beautiful way forward together within our humanity. That we see that there's more and more polarization within our world and within our culture, that more and more people are feeling pressure to pick a side and to be on that side and you find yourself labeling the other side, whether it's maybe spiritually or within beliefs or maybe it's politically, that you just label that other side as they're wrong and messed up and screwed up. And we don't see as the best that as the most beautiful way forward to just find more and more polarization within our humanity. Or some of us have recognized and felt that there's this thing called spirituality that we grew up with. And, and many of us, we grew up in a very black and white binary view of the world that you have your beliefs and those are the right beliefs uh, about God and the Bible and, and those kinds of things. And anybody that would think or see things differently, they're on the outside and they're wrong. And that the goal or the point of all of it is to try and get someone on the outside to be on the inside. In other words, to think and act and believe like you do. And that can be a real struggle in a world that... Um, has a, a is very connected to a lot of different cultures and history and trying to understand that this thing called spirituality or the Bible and God, there's a lot of different narratives and ideas and thoughts and beliefs about it. So is really the best way forward to just label anybody that thinks differently or believes differently than you as wrong or a heretic, or is spirituality potentially something that's bigger than just our own beliefs and maybe as a less black and white and, and maybe it's more of a kind of a gray issue that there's a lot of different ways to go about this thing called spirituality. And so rather than spending our time and intention and energy trying to get everybody to line up around, you know, specific beliefs or ideas, the invitation is to find a more beautiful way forward together. So to see less polarization and to see less black and white kind of uh, experience or thoughts when it comes to spirituality, but to really find ourselves saying, okay, there's something here. It matters. Spirituality matters. And in the midst of that, in the midst of this world that is wrestling through these things, maybe we can find a more beautiful way forward together. 
And so we uh, have worked as a community to, divine, to, to define what is that beautiful way and, and what is the best way forward together that we would do this together. It's not just spirituality found in my own personal life by just listening to a podcast or you know just going for walks or whatever it is. Those things are good. So we hope to keep doing those things. But how do I find this within the context of community and relationship? And that for us is where CMYK comes in, that we would be a church and we would be a community that is working to find this more beautiful way forward together. So it's in the midst of that, that we've been asking the question, okay, so what are we inviting people into? Because this beautiful way forward for us, as we're going to talk about later, and as we've been talking about in this whole series is to be present, to be honest, to be open, and to be the embodiment of love. And that we want to wrestle through that because we think no matter where you are on a, on a political issue, no matter where you are on a spiritual issue, no matter where you are in your life and history, whatever story you carry, that the invitation would be the same, that the best way forward with that together is to be present, to be honest, and to be open and be the embodiment of love. But for us, we've been asking this question. Okay, so, so what are we inviting people into? What, what, what should it look like for somebody? And we understand that there's a potential path for somebody that would choose to be a part of CMYK, that there are people that maybe are outside of the community and the church and they maybe don't know much about it. They, they, don't, they don't realize that this is a thing in Billings, Montana. So we're working to address, okay, how do we help people, more and more people that would be looking for something like this to find it? But then we also understand that there's a step, a next step of somebody choosing to check out one of our gatherings or listen to the podcast and they're just kind of dipping their toes in the water of CMYK. And they're, they're maybe there for the first time, or maybe they kind of show up once every six months, whatever it is, but they're not quite sure if this is a thing that they want to call their thing, if they're, if they're really ready to be a part of it. And we get that, and we're totally okay with that, and we want to provide space for that. But our hope is that as we see this path progress, that someone would find themselves stepping into what we're calling the core community of CMYK. And this is really what I want to kind of talk about and highlight before we jump into the talk, that we want to invite you and want to invite everybody to be a part of this core community of CMYK, that you would be somebody that recognizes and says, hey, this thing matters, this thing called CMYK, and I want to be a part of it. And more than just attending something on a Sunday, more than just listening to a podcast, that you would be somebody that would step up and be a part of the table and bring your voice to the table, bring your voice to the community and help us create and be a part of that as well. So this is what it means to be a part of the, the core community, that you are raising your hand and saying, I'm in, and I want to be a part of this more beautiful way forward together. And I want my voice to be at the table. And what we want you to know is that our hope as we move forward as a church, we move forward as a community, is that this idea of the core community would be something that would continue to grow and grow and grow. Because it would be easy for us to have a small table and just have a few people around the table or a few people around the core community and the potential of everybody at that table to you know, believe the same things or think the same things, to act the same way. And, and that's all it is. That's what the core community is. It's a small group of people that all think and act and believe and look the same way. Well, I don't really think, and most of us don't really think and believe that that's the most beautiful way forward together. We've just created another silo. But what we need to do is see this core community be a group of people that 
are bringing different beliefs and thoughts and ideas and bringing their voice to the table. And so in that, our hope is that this core community is for everybody and it's consistently growing with more and more people and more and more voices at the table because that's when it becomes beautiful, significant, and powerful in our city and in our world. So the core community, this is something that I I would love it wherever you are. Maybe you're somebody that's just listening to this podcast for the first time, or maybe you've been listening for a while. We've got a lot of people that listen to this regularly. My hope is that you would be somebody that would think and, and process the potential of you stepping into this core community and being a part of this, bringing your voice to the table. And to do that, there's a couple things. First, we would just love it if you wanted to raise your hand and say, I'm in, I want to be a part of this. If you do, then our hope is that you, A, you could go online and just shoot us a line uh, through our website, cmykchurch.com, and let us know, hey, I'm interested or I'm in, and we'd reach out to you and connect with you and, and you know bring you into that. But what we want you to know is to be a part of the core community comes with a, a few hopes or expectations of what it means to be a part of this core. First and foremost, that someone that steps into the core community, that you you would be somebody that is working to embody and practice these things of being present, honest, open, and love. That that's something that you raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm in on working towards that. It doesn't mean that you got it all together. It doesn't mean that you've figured out being present all the time. No, we're all wrestling through this together, but just someone that's raising their hand and saying, yeah, I want to be a part of that. The second thing for the core community is we would hope that people within the core community would make our Sunday gatherings a regular part of their life. Now, we understand that someone's not going to make it every Sunday all the time. I get that. Life happens. Stuff happens. But our hope is that you would be somebody that would recognize the significance of getting together in a room full of people and bringing your voice to the table there, being a part of these gatherings in this community on that level. It's really one of the best things that we have. And so that you would just, you know, kind of schedule your life around saying, I'm going to be there at 1030 a.m. or 6 p.m. on Sundays. We meet at Art House Cinema, that you would join and be a part of those gatherings with us. That's what being a part of the core community means for us, that you're just a regular part of it. The third thing for us is we're going to be launching in the next couple months, uh, these core community meetings or gatherings that are specific for this core community. And, and really, this is the best opportunity that we have to get the core community together and to talk about all things CMYK. How are we doing it this more beautiful way forward together? And provide space and opportunity for your voice to be heard. Because many times our Sunday gatherings, it can be really difficult to get everybody's voice to be heard. But these core gatherings that we have, these core community gatherings that we're going to have twice a year, that's an opportunity for you to come in and you know bring insight into how our Sundays are going or maybe where are we giving our finances away? What, are, what kind of service projects are we choosing to do as a community? And that your voice would matter in those things. We've got a whole list of different ideas that we would love to bring before you and get your voice and your feedback on and you would be a part of the core on that level. The last thing for us uh, when it comes to being a part of the core community is we want to invite you to be a part of this community and this church on a finance level as well. That one of the best and strongest ways that we can tell ourselves and the world around us that this thing matters for us is when we choose to give financially to it. Now, we're not here to, to determine for you what that amount is or what the regularity of that gift is, but we just know that it matters to us. Uh, we say this thing matters because of how we choose to respond financially to the things around us. And so our hope is that the core community would be those that say, yeah, I'm in and I want to be a part of it on this level as well. And so, 
I would hope, and I really mean it, that wherever you are and whoever you are, that you would honestly and seriously consider, is this something that matters, this CMYK idea? And we love our podcast listeners. I I really do. I appreciate it. I'm so honored uh, that you would choose to be a part of just listening in on what's going on. But my hope is that you would be somebody that would see my voice matters, And that your voice would matter in this space called CMYK, and that you would choose to step in and be a part of this core community. If you're interested, again, you can shoot us a line through our website, cmykchurch.com, or just come to one of our Sunday gatherings, and we have some cards that give some basic definition of what it is, and that you can just kind of fill it out and check a box and say, I'm interested, or even check a box and say, I'm in. I want to be a part of this, and then we will definitely be in connection with you and make sure that you know that you are a part of this thing. The last thing that I want to mention before uh, we jump into the talk today is that part of our reshaping and reforming uh, some things is that we have kind of moved some resources around and we realize that there's some ways that we can do better uh, in uh, doing this thing called CMYK. And part of that is we need to hire some staff. And so we've got some part-time positions available uh, that we're looking for those of you that are interested in not only maybe being a part of the core community, but maybe being a part of our staff as well. So we've got some opportunity, whether it's in marketing or volunteer coordination. We've got some things within our magazine and helping coordinate some things there, some things within our intentional communities and meals and helping lead some things on that front or just helping out with kids on Sunday. So if you're interested in that, Again, you can head to our website or check out our Facebook page. We've got those job descriptions uh, talking about what the specific jobs are and what they pay and hours and all of that stuff that we would love it if you're interested in jumping on that level as well. Excuse me. (laughs) So... That's where we're headed and that's what we're going uh, forward with and on. And I hope, I really, really hope that you would consider being a part of this core community with us because we need more voices at the table. We need more voices at the table. That's when this thing gets beautiful and we find this more beautiful way forward together. All right. We got a really great uh, podcast coming from our Sunday gathering earlier today, and I hope you uh, enjoy it because there's some really, really beautiful stuff that's shared by someone within our community. So, Thanks so much. Hope you're doing well. If there's anything we can do for you, please, please reach out. Love you. All right. So as I said earlier, we're kind of wrapping up the series of, of YCMYK. And specifically when we look at the, what is this more beautiful way forward together, um, we've been talking uh, every week about an individual topic. So uh, Chris, you can throw that slide up on the screen. Uh, so we've been talking about that be present, uh, be honest, be open, and kind of in, each week individually kind of wrestling with what does this look like? And obviously these are ongoing conversations. We're not solving everything and saying like, oh, we now are all present fully, all the time, but just continuing to try to wrestle with it. And this morning, we want to talk about this last concept of to be love or to be loved. In other words, to be the embodiment of love. What does that look like? And how do you uh, go about that? There's the great uh, philosopher, German philosopher Hathaway that says, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Uh, This is a reality, I think, to our lives that we are always consistently trying to figure out what does love actually look like? As far as how am I receiving it? What does that look like? And how am I to be love to the people around me? And the reason I think that this is such a challenge is if we're honest, many of us have experienced different times in our life where someone is loving us and we walk away from that situation. We go, that didn't feel like love. 
there's someone that's communicating something on a level and they say, hey man, I love you. And we look at that relationship or we look at the interactions or we look at how we feel about that person. We go, yeah, I, do, I don't know that that's the word that I would put on this. And we, so we wrestle with what does love actually look like, particularly in this context of a more beautiful way forward. How are we supposed to go about that? For us, this present, honest, open to love, as many of us know, it comes out of the scriptures. It comes out of the Judeo-Christian and, and trying to understand and wrestle with what is all of this stuff about and what are they pointing at and talking about? And one of the things that we find within the New Testament over and over and over again is this word love and is this invitation to love one another. And there's been a lot of conversation over the last 2,000 years of what that looks like. But one of the most basic principles that we need to understand when it comes to this concept of love, when it comes to the New Testament, is that it's written in the language of Greek. And within the Greek language, what we find within Scripture is four main words for for the word love, translated love. So when we look at it, next slide, we see that there are these four words. Phileo, which is brotherly love. It's where we get Philadelphia from. It's the city of brotherly love. There's eros, which is erotic love. We all understand what that is. No pictures, don't worry. And then there is storge, which is a natural affection or obligation of love. Now, this might sound like a negative side, but the first time I saw my son, there was like this thing of like, I'm in, I'm I'm in. I am obligated to this person the rest of my life. And it's a good feeling. It's a great thing. So some of that might be a marriage uh, interaction and relationship, but there's a love and there's a duty that you feel within that love, a presence that you feel there. But the last word, and many of us have probably heard or interacted with this word on some level, is this word agape, which within the Greek language is the deepest, truest, and most uh, centered uh, level of love that you can find for your life. And it's simply found in this, that it's choosing to act on the behalf of the other. It's for their good, not yours, and that you're working to see worth in them that is as great as you. All of those other kinds of love are important and significant in our relationships. But this agape love, this is something that is only reserved for the highest levels of interaction within the Greek language. And here's what we know. The word, uh, the brotherly love, it's in uh, the New Testament a dozen times or so, a couple dozen times. Well, we find this word eros. It's kind of referenced, but it's not actually you know, seen within the New Testament text. Uh, this word storge, again, in there a couple times. But then we get to this word agape, around 320 times is what this word love, where this word love is found within the New Testament. In other words, there seems to be a pretty clear line for what the scriptures, in particular Christ, is talking about when it looks what love is supposed to look like and how we're supposed to interact with it. So what we find is there's texts like this, 1 John chapter 3, by this we know love. This is how scriptures would define love, that he, Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is something, this is agape love. This is the definition of agape love, that you give yourself over to someone else for their benefit. But what's fascinating, where Christ really started to turn the tables upside down, is when there were statements and phrases like this that we find in Matthew. It says, by this, but Jesus says this, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That word love, it's agape. So the definition of love, 1 John, give your life away, 
is not something that's to be found, according to the scriptures, just within this eros love, just within brotherly love of like, man, I really like this guy. And so, I'm, of course, I love him. And it's not just to be found within this story, this uh, dutiful love that you feel. It's to be found with your enemies, the people on the other side, the people that you can't stand, the people that are talking poorly of you, the people that have attacked you and wronged you and hurt you and broken you. You, according to the scriptures, are to give your life for them. Little controversial when we actually realize what Jesus is saying and we realize it within the context of our life today. This is love over 320 times within the New Testament. This is the love that is being referenced and talked about. So the question is, what does this actually look like in our lives and how are we supposed to wrestle with that? For us, for me as CMYK, it's important to note that when we look at this concept of a more beautiful way forward together, we see this invitation to be present, to be honest, and to be open. And the thing that I hope you walk away from this morning, thinking about and processing, is that those three things, present, honest, and open, that is the pathway, and those are the tools that I believe are necessary and uh, vital for us to actually then go and be love, or to be loved. That this is this agape kind of love of giving yourself over for the sake of someone else. As we have said multiple times here at CMYK, what this table represents is the breaking yourself open and pouring yourself out for the sake of another, for those around you. But for me, what's significant and what's important that we, we talk about and we all recognize is it's only found, I believe, only found when these other three elements of present, honest, and open are actually a part of our lives as well. My son, uh, many of you know, I have a four-year-old son. His name is Anders. He's a tornado of energy and life and Blakesley, which you can probably imagine is a joy many times. And as a four-year-old, the last couple summers, uh, I've tried to be a good dad and do my best to, just in the summers. Uh, anyways, uh, no, in the summers, I'm working hard to help my son learn how to ride a bike. It's this fatherly duty that I feel, okay, that I'm going to teach my son to ride a bike. So we started out a couple summers ago. We got uh, this, it's a really nice trike, actually. Grandma bought it for us. Thank you, Grandma. A uh, really nice trike that he can learn to pedal and find that you know, forward momentum or go backwards. And, and we thought like, this is going to be it. So we'd put him on the bike and we showed him how to pedal. And he's like, yeah, I can do this. And he'd go about maybe a foot or two. And then he'd stop and he'd go, dad, I just want you to push me. And I'd, no, buddy, you, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to pedal. You're going to do it. He goes, nope, dad, I just want you to push me. Nope. So one of two things would happen. Either I would break down and I would just start to push him and he'd go, wee, or two, he would just get off from the bike himself and push it himself. And every time that would happen, whether it was him pushing it or me pushing him, he would say this, look, Dad, I'm riding a bike. I'm doing it. And there's this reality every time. Uh, no, you're not. This last summer, thought, okay, we're going to upgrade. Maybe, that, maybe, maybe he's bigger or better than we thought. And he doesn't need a trike. We got him one of those gliders that helps him with balance. And we thought, okay, here you go, buddy. We're going to teach you how to do this. So I'd get on my bike, adult, grown man in the street, you know, kind of doing the strider thing where you, your feet are on the ground and you're trying to just push off and balance. There's no pedals. And I thought that would help him. So he's on that thing. And I think he gets it, but he really wasn't interested at all. And so he's just sitting there, and the, the, the rail is just right up against all of the goods, and he's hurting himself, but he's going like this as he's walking down the street saying, look, Dad, I'm doing it. I'm riding a bike. And I'm like, no, you're not. Because to ride a bike, it takes a couple things. It takes balance. It takes pedaling. We understand that. I believe 
that to be the embodiment of love, it takes present, honest, and open. That you've got to see those things. And that the potential for many of our lives is that we spend so much time and energy saying, look, I'm loving someone, but meanwhile, these things are not present. Andrew's on a bike. When he's not pedaling, he's not balancing. That's not riding a bike, buddy. I'm sorry. And for me to understand and for you to understand that for you to love and to be the embodiment of love to your enemies, to your family, to your friends, to whoever it is, present, honest, and open, must be there. Otherwise, we just find ourselves like Andrew saying, look, I'm loving you. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is looking at us going, that is not love. And I think this is one of the bigger broken pieces when it comes to Christianity and our culture as a whole. Because we're dealing with this word and this concept, but we're not actually going through the process of understanding what it looks like and the tools and pieces that need to be a part of it. Someone in our community that has wrestled with this, I think, in a really beautiful way over the last couple of years uh, is uh, someone that you all know and love, I'm sure, as well. And she's going to share a little bit of her story. So would you please welcome Miss Michaela Hirschkorn as she comes up to share it with us this morning. <clears throat> Do, 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 do. Thank you for being here. It's a beautiful coffee mug. I like it. It's great. Um, so um, let's just start off with this. What has this journey of working uh, to be the embodiment of love looked like for you? Because the, one of the reasons I asked Michaela is if you know her at all, if you've interacted with her at all, this is a loving individual. Like she cares deeply about the people around her. And it's just a natural part of who she is. Uh, it doesn't seem like you're trying very hard, but at the end of the day, knowing you, this is a, a, a deep part of who you are that you want to be this embodiment of love. So what's kind of your journey and story been like on that? Um, I think I've always cared really, I think I have always cared really, really deeply about um, loving other people. That's been um, like always something that's been super ingrained into me is uh, to love other people well, and then from a really young age, to love God really deeply as well. And uh, so I think that's always been something that I've wrestled with. And um, I was thinking back over this, just my journey in wrestling with what does it look like to love people, love God, what should that look like? And um, I remember in high, I, I kept going back to this moment, I remember in high school that I was in a Bible study, and um, we were going through this book called The Dust of the Rabbi, and there was um, there was this one lesson that we were going through, which was essentially talking about this hierarchy of, you know, how you should spend your time and your talents and your treasures and how you should love, and the hierarchy of that, and it was like, okay, so God, obviously, first, he should be where all of our time, talents, treasures, love is going, number one, and then your family, and then your friends, and then all your, you know, activities below that, essentially. And so I remember that um, really speaking to me. And so I was thinking, okay, well, what does that mean, you know, to love God? And um, to, to love God, for me, meant to be, you know, really obedient to God. Um, and then thinking through what does it look like to love other people? And I remember thinking, well, the best model I have for that is Jesus. Jesus is the best model for how I should love other people. So what did Jesus do? He broke himself open, and he poured himself out for the sufferings of the world. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. I'm going to break myself open and pour myself out for the sufferings of the world. And I feel like I very much lived my life like that, like just looking for suffering and where I could um, uh, lean into that and love in the midst of that. And um, I always thought, like, 
I was doing a pretty good job. Like I was a really, really loving person. And I think I got to this spot, you know, a while ago um, where I kind of looked around me and realized that I was really tired and um, everyone was still suffering. <laughs> um, so Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. You did it. Yeah. So I was, you know, working my butt off to love people and I was just exhausted. And then I was like, well... This is, I don't know what this is accomplishing because the world's still a pretty crappy place. Like, I haven't fixed anything. Um, and that was a, a kind of a breakdown for me, honestly, um, because it, it was this place of thinking, like, I, I mean, this deep desire to be a really loving human and then realizing, like, this is not a sustainable or healthy way to love people. So in that moment, uh, I mean, that's a... That's a big moment. I'm sure some of us have experienced it. Maybe not globally, but maybe individually with somebody that we're trying to love and we kind of give ourselves over to them. And, and then we just realize this isn't going anywhere and this doesn't seem to be helping you or helping me. So in that moment, I mean, many times there's the, the path of like, okay, screw it. Uh, uh, why bother? Uh, or there's, there's the just go deeper. You're not praying enough. You're not, you know, you need to do fast for your friends. You haven't been fasting enough, Michaela, so fast more. Or maybe there's something else out there as well. So what what kind of was your path like after that realization? Yeah, I got a little messy. I was like, well, I can either take up really heavy drinking or go to counseling. I think I think I tried both for or a hot both. minute. Or both, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, yeah, realized that wasn't working out too well either. I think so. that's enough. I think we're good. <laughs> um... So I, I actually, I started going to counseling about five months ago. 10 out of 10 would recommend if uh, none of you have tried counseling before. Um, but I, I, started, I started processing through this and I started, I started going to counseling and processing through all of this with my counselor. And I think the biggest realization I had was I was reflecting back to that hierarchy of love God, love, love my family, love my friends. And I realized like, I was not anywhere on that list. Like, love you was nowhere on that list. And um, and uh, that, like, hit me really hard because I feel like I had this realization that um, I hadn't been loving myself. And, um, and at the core of that, um, that was... Uh, that was what was the not healthy and sustainable part of of all of this for me. And um, so I, I think that, you know, that it's been about five or six months, but it's been this really crazy journey of like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. That's going to be a new thing um, to love myself and to know myself and, and to take care of myself. And that's been... Um, a really challenging, surprisingly challenging journey, um, but one that I think is radically changing the way that I see myself and in turn seeing the way that I see God and that I see and relate to the people around me as well. Yeah, because I think many of us, so the, this statement and this phrase uh, of pour, pour yourself out, break yourself open, pour yourself out for the sufferings of those around you, um, the the I'd heard or read that before, but I really started to interact with it when I was at a uh, 
a little conference thing, and, and Rob Bell was talking through his own journey with this life, and, and what he said that really impacted me, which I hear you talk about, is that you're pouring yourself out, but it, as any physics would tell us, if you keep pouring out, eventually you're going to have nothing left to pour out. So you have to find ways or find things that actually pour into you so that you can continue to pour out. And, and that's as simple as that sounds, it's a crazy thing to love yourself or to pour into yourself because... For, for some of us, Christianity is not about, it's not about me, it's about other people. Um, and, and so it can be a really challenging thing to go through that process. And, and you can kind of feel a little egotistical and big-headed to, that someone's asking you of something and you say no, and the reason that you say no potentially is because you know that i got to pour into me first or whatever that is. That can be a really difficult thing. Um, so that journey of you kind of pouring into yourself, what does that look like and what, how would you say that you're, you're doing that other than drinking and counseling, which we've already (laughs) established? Um, I mean, I think that like a lot of things, honestly, um, for me personally is just investing in things that I, I feel like, um, um, make my soul feel really light and and really free and and so I've been investing in a lot of things for myself personally but I think the biggest part of um like me loving myself and a couple things me loving myself and then also accepting love from other people the biggest part of that for me you know when Matt asked me to talk about this concept I just kept going back to the previous three of be present be honest be open and the the biggest, the biggest piece of that for me in being loved, um, either loving myself or allowing other people to love me is being honest. And, um, and the biggest part of me for loving other people is just to be being present and being open with other people. And um, also really, really difficult. Um, it's been hard because I feel like my... I feel like most of my life um, being loved has been very important to me. And I feel like I am a really loved person, but I've been very uh, calculating of like what I allow people to see in me. Um, I'm pretty good at knowing what lovable characteristics are in a human. And so if I can portray all of those lovable characteristics, then I'm a pretty safe person to be loved and to be able to dive into the honesty of those parts of me that um, scare myself or don't feel as lovable um, has been really frightening, um, but also really beautiful because I feel like uh, people aren't, I'm not love, I'm not loving just the lovable parts of me I'm looking at me and saying like I'm gonna love all of me and um and that's uh, that's been a really liberating thing in my life and then to allow other people into that space and to say like hey you've been loving you know you've been loving a half version of me which has been really great but I would like I would like you to know all of me and to be loved in the midst of that feels like um, like people I've let into the most in- intimate you know, places of me, like it's different when they say they love you after that because 
someone saying I love you and loving the lovable parts of you for someone after that to say hey I love you and to love all those really scary parts of you it feels completely different um yeah I think that um it's been fascinating for me in my journey that like one of the most base level human needs that we have when it comes to love and affection is to be known and to be embraced um, and even like looking at um, Jenny, who's downstairs with kids this morning, she's, uh, she was talking with Anders and she said, hey, anytime you smile, we have a seven-month-old daughter. And she was telling Anders, hey, Anders, you need to look Margot in the eyes and smile at her because anytime you smile at her, her brain grows. And there, because there's some brain science and chemistry that says that when there's that interaction of I see you, I love you, that that's a good thing for a developing brain. And it's a good thing for our humanity that at the most base level, a baby is, is, is desiring that, to be known and to be embraced. And that we are just kind of grown adults looking for the same thing. But as you say, many of us put up some kind of mask or play some kind of game that we're not actually experiencing the thing that our, our brain desires and really wants relationally because we're not actually really known for who we really are. And, and so we're, we're just a projection of ourselves and that's what's embraced but in the back of our mind. And I've been there too. I'm there constantly, honestly, of, but if I was real with you, would you embrace that part of me? Because I know you'll embrace this projection. So I'm going to keep putting that out because that's safe. But if I put this other part, because the, the opposite of that known and embraced is to be rejected for who we really are. So it's just easier to play this game. So love is only found when you're present and honest. So I, I would say, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. There's, there's two sides to that. One is when it comes to you breaking yourself open and pouring yourself out for the people around you, what has them, like that your invitation for them to be present, honest, and open, how does that look like? For in that interaction of you being present, honest, open, that, that that's serving and helping them. Would you say that is a, an element in how you serve people? Because many times this idea of love is simply and only found like, well, they need something, so give them that thing, and then you did it. That's, but, but earlier when we were talking, you were talking about how present, honest, open is so important, that relational dynamic too. Yeah, I think this is like radically changing how I see people and how, I mean, what I feel like it means to love somebody else because my definition for loving people has always been like, what do they need? And I will meet them there and I will give them 100% and like, I will meet that need almost to this unhealthy degree of like, mm, it, I'm just gonna assume what they need. I'm gonna step in, and I'm gonna steamroll and I'm gonna fix this because people being in pain is hurt. It, it's really uncomfortable for me to watch people be in pain. And so I'm like, I'm just going to step in and make the pain go away. And that's always how I've, that's always how I've like defined what loving somebody looks like, which sounds really, I mean, foolish now in a way. Um, but this is like this and, and not sustainable. It's exhausting. And this has felt like a whole new way to love people. Like, because it's really exciting to be loved, you know, to be to be open and honest and present and to be loved in the midst of that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone needs to, everyone needs to experience this. Like, I want to offer this to everybody. I want, I want to be present and open um, in my conversations with people, and I want to give people opportunities to be honest and to be embraced in the midst of that. Like, that's such a more beautiful picture of what it would mean to love somebody. And, and in the midst of that, like I don't have to step in and, and try and fix situations. I just get to stand next to somebody and be fully present with somebody 
and like let I mean a lot of the times when it's painful just let the pain sit and not have to try and fix it but to but to say like you're fully embraced in this moment like I want to be present in this moment with you and we can be honest in this moment and I don't have to try and fix anything or make this better but here I am with you and I and I fully embrace you in the midst of that because that's what I want so deeply and and when I you know people have been so gracious to me and given that to me that I want to give that back to other people because that's felt like that's felt like this uh love that you know like you're talking about we always it's what we really want but we don't we're not often brave enough to dive into that so as scary it is as it is it's what I want to dive into. Yeah. So <clears throat> we talk about these concepts of present, honest, open love. And, you know, one of the challenges for some people is um, we're, we're a church and that there, there's not a lot of God language in present, honest, open love, you know. Uh, and so that can be a challenge. But the, our point behind it is there is the divine, there is God behind these things, in the midst of these things. And if we're going to honestly try to interact with a healthy spirituality, these are the things to it. So the question is, do you feel and do you sense that this has been a healthy thing? As someone that grew up with the love God, love people, as you say, do you, do you sense and feel like, no, this is, this is me interacting with the divine. This is me interacting with something uh, that is so good and true and beautiful that yes, 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 yes? Or has it been maybe an abandonment of some of that spirituality for you um, because it isn't the straightforward love God, love people? Um, I think it's been like a, I mean, it's been a reconstruction for sure. I think they're like, I've had a lot of conversations with God where I'm like, God, this, this is tiring, man. Like, I mean, what are we doing here? Or woman, man or woman. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, like, and just frustrated. I mean, like, yeah, if this is what you're asking me to do, I'll do it, but I don't know if I'm happy about it. And um, I think this has been, I think this has been really beautiful because it's like that whole picture of, um, I don't know, it's not that God's asking me to do or to be anything other than this present, honest, and open. And it very much feels like this, um, like I've thought a lot about how, you know, um, we are all created in God's image and to fully accept that image that we're created in and to look at others and to embrace that image that, you know, God has laid on the hearts of everybody else has been really beautiful like I don't I mean I really believe that we are created from God and and then I wonder why we work so hard to hide hide so much of ourselves and and to not be fully present in those images um, that we're created in with one another so I think that's been really um really beautiful and it's made me more grateful like rather than I'm so tired why are we doing this it's um like I'm a really beautiful human and this person I'm sitting next to is a really beautiful human that's created in this beautiful image and I want to 
be a part of that and like praise praise God for that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So <clears throat> when uh, you look at this community of CMYK, uh, any what can we be doing for you? How can we be loving you? Um, and anything that you would like to communicate and say to the community? Um, I'm really grateful for this community. And um, I think I just, you guys do so much for me. I don't know if you're not doing anything that I need to ask for. You give me, this place gives me the space to be present and honest and open um, and not be afraid of that. And this is um, like one of the only large communities that I've ever felt that where I didn't need to be anything but myself and I would be embraced in the midst of that. And so thank you guys for that. I, I don't need to ask anything other than say thank you for, for what you already do and for what you already give me. And then I guess as an ask just to continue to like really dive deeply into these things. And it's it's really scary, but I have been... I don't know why I keep saying, I continually keep being surprised at how loving people are towards me in the midst of all these things. And I don't know why that's surprising. I don't know why I should be surprised that people are so loving in the midst of being present and honest and open. But that would be like my challenge to you guys is to dive into that and allow yourself to be surprised by how accepted you are for just as you are. It's a pretty beautiful thing. So, um, I I would love to be that space for you if you're looking for that space. And I know this is a community that um, is providing that space as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Michaela Hirschgorn, thank you so much for sharing. <clears throat> <clears throat> thank you, thank you. Um, as we close this morning, we come to this table of uh, bread broken and a cup shared. It's, it's the physical representation of everything that we've been talking about breaking yourself open, pouring yourself out for the suffering of the world. This was the story of Christ. Uh, and this is our story. This is our invitation as well, as, as we always say. And <clears throat> there's really two things that, that kind of come to the surface for me this morning when we think about this table. One is to realize that the invitation of this, <clears throat> this act of Christ's body broken and his blood poured out, it was not an act for Christians, as many of us can just think, that black and white kind of view. It was an act for everybody, an invitation for everybody, that the story of Christ is one of, of he did this, and the reason he, he did it uh, was looking at the eyes of those responsible for his pain and suffering in that moment and saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And so for some of us this morning, this agape love is something that we might need to come back to. For some of us, we've separated ourselves. Uh, we've, we've cut ourselves off from a segment of people, let's say, and we want nothing to do with them. And agape love, the invitation of Scripture, is not just to find people that look like you, act like you, think like you, and love them, but to actually look at your enemies and say, I'm going to give myself for you. The second thing that I would say is in that work of being present, honest, and open for yourself or inviting others to do that, to find that loving interaction relationship, as Michaela talked about and as we believe, this is where the divine is found. This is how we relate with 
God. God is love, according to the book of First John. And there's this quote that I really love that I want to leave up as we come forward this morning from a guy that we talk about a lot here, a philosopher by the name of Peter Rollins. And he makes this statement about this act of love and this idea of community. He says, here, and I would say here at this table, God is not approached as an object that we must love, but as a mystery present in the very act of love itself. That we come to this table this morning not to find some being or object out there that we're trying to love really, really hard, uh, but that we come to this table to remind ourselves there is an act of love that is a part of this story and narrative that I am taking and consuming and being, it's going to be a part of my life. And it's in that that God is related to. It's in that that God is found and this mystery is present when we choose to be a part of this. So it's with that we're going to play a song and invite everyone to come forward, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and this 2,000-year-old tradition of followers of Christ coming together and wrestling with what does love look like and to find the answer and to find the wrestling match at this table here this morning. Whenever you're ready, feel free to come forward. God, many of us are here this morning um, because we want to actualize uh, this mystery of Christ, to not just live in some kind of uh, fantasy or not just be found in uh, some kind of story that we just tell ourselves over and over and over again, but to see uh, and to experience this mystery of Christ, the divine. And we believe that that's found in this act of love. And so this morning we take this bread and we take this cup as a reminder to ourselves of this is the love that we're talking about, this agape love. And um, to remind ourselves that we all have spaces that we are not fully present. We all have spaces where we're not fully honest, potentially. We all have spaces where it's really difficult to be open to others outside of ourselves and our viewpoints and thoughts and beliefs. But that we work hard to do that because we believe it's in that that we find um, love for ourselves and for the world around us. And so we go this week and... Uh, we want to embody and actualize this mystery of Christ in our midst. We love you. Same with Christ. We pray. We say it together. Amen.